Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. (laughs) The Pentagon released UFOs flying around. (laughs) And nobody even cared. I'm stunned. Pete Thamel. What college football <laughs> coach do we think is most interested in UFOs? And SI's Pat Forty. It's going to be some problems, yes. But it's all going to be okay. We're still going to have college sports. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, welcome to the pod. Hope you're all doing well. This, uh, this week carries on. Big news in college athletics was the recommendation of a working group. I'm going to get into a lot of administrative bureaucracy parlance here. <laughs> nothing, but it, nothing better than trying to make English out of the NCAA. The NCAA Board of Governors approved a, a recommendation from a working group. I don't know, whatever. It's more <laughs> likely than not that they're going to start letting players profit off their name, image, and likeness, N-I-L, in NCA parlance. Am I the only one that tries to call it N-L-I? I, I, it, <laughs> is that just me? I've, I've, I have to stop myself from writing it and saying right. National N-L-I letter of intent. Better, yeah. Name, there's likeness. Yeah, that's, oh, that's the know. national letter of intent. Yeah, maybe that's Another, why yeah. I have that. <laughs> We've all been acronymed into submission by the yes. NCAA. Yes. The national letter of intent is a highly questionable legal document to begin with. It is. Anyway, uh, welcome to the future, man. This is likely going to happen because it has to happen. And so players will be able to sell their jerseys. They'll be able to take endorsement money. They will be able to take appearance fees. They will be able to profit off their social media, uh, GoFundMe pages. We're not sure. Uh, there are a couple guardrails. That's another NCA really loving this uh-huh. term, guardrails they're putting up. They, they mentioned that at least 35 times on the teleconference on I Wednesday. Listened. I was Endless. like, what? We don't want Trevor Lawrence caroming off the mountain <laughs> into a pile of money. You know, uh, the little kids bowl and they put like the, the, the things in the gutters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the guardrails. Guardrails were popular. It was, it was an NCAA bingo, li, par, uh, lingo bingo. So there's a couple that, you know, are obvious. One is that the, the school is not allowed to organize this right now. So the players are on their own getting agents and things like that and getting their own uh, deals. They have to register with the school. But, you know, Nick Saban's not walking in saying, okay, this is our nutrition program and this is our sociology program and this is the program we have lined up for you to make $700,000 at Alabama, at least not officially. Not officially. There is also going to be some kind of group or some kind of idea where they, well, there's details are not finalized, but the idea is that the NCAA will try to uh, make sure fair market value is done. You can't just buy to a Tunga Vailoa's signature for $200,000 or some crap like that. The same way in a summer internship or a summer job, you can't hire a student athlete for some obscene amount. He can't mow your lawn for like $50,000 for the summer, unless you got a really big lawn, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, I don't know. You know, some certain common sense. Thing. Now everyone's saying uh, people are going to cheat. Well, they're already cheating. Yeah. Like this is this is my thing. We know for a fact from a federal trial that Adidas was going to pay and started paying the father of Brian Bowen, a number 30 recruit in America, not number one, number 30, 
good, but not not the not number one. They were going and started to pay his dad a hundred thousand dollars so that he would attend an Adidas school, Louisville. Well, people say, well, now these shoe companies are going to control everything. It was already happening. Okay? Sure. When they opened the casinos here in Detroit, it was not the first time a dice game was played here. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to go to Greektown Casino College no. to know that, Dan. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> Is that what you learned in, in your history course at Greektown? <laughs> when sports wagering was made legal in New Jersey, it was not the sport first sports wager. <laughs> so it's already happening. That is one of my things. But before we get to your two thoughts on this, we're in this spot because of the NCA's lack of leadership and arrogance. And we've discussed this on the podcast, but this week it reminded me, someone reminded me, I actually broke the story 11, almost 11 years ago of Ed O'Bannon suing the NCAA. And I went back and looked at the original story and this is where the NCAA really started to lose the public opinion and then the politicians. And then once Florida and California and all these states jump in and politicians are running your business, you're screwed. And that's what they're at right now. They're trying to figure this out because it's going to be messy. But this, I mean, the old Ed O'Bannon story was nuts. He, at night, he's, he's a kid down the street at his friend's house is playing an EA sports game with the 1995 UCLA Bruins. And there is a guy with the exact same skin tone, shaved head, <laughs> number 31, and yep, a left-handed jumper. And a left-handed <laughs> jumper as Ed O'Bannon in the game. And the NCA <laughs> tried to claim, A, that wasn't Ed O'Bannon. <laughs> B, even if it was, they don't care. And Ed O'Bannon said, all I want is to say, you need to ask my permission to be in the game. I don't even want a dollar. And the NCAA wouldn't budge. And to me, this is the problem we have. Because as we go through this, and we'll talk about this subject for a long time, and like every college sports fan is like, what the hell is about to happen? Yep. Because it is going to be messy. There is no question. I am in favor of this, but there is no simple way to do this. And doing it this way, Terrible. They should have eased into this over the last 11 years. Instead, there's no off ramp. It is a parachute jump and you better hope the thing opens. <laughs> but this is why they have the problem, because they sat there and did really common sense, fair arguments against what they were doing. And wouldn't budge. And so Ed O'Bannon and there were other ones. There was um, um, Oscar Robertson. They're still selling. uh cards and stuff. And I remember him saying they were selling cards with a swath of a game-worn jersey, they claimed, of, of Oscar Robertson. He's like, no way. He goes, first <laughs> off, back then, you only got one home and one road jersey. And <laughs> he's like, I I had that jersey after. <laughs> like, there's no way that is actually even true. But they're doing it. I, I remember uh, Desmond Howard wasn't even able to purchase or license the photo of him doing the the Heisman pose like Michigan owned the photo or so I, I can't remember the details like it's a photo of me can I use it no like what like really common sense stuff they wouldn't budge and that's why we're in this spot so Pat I'll start with you um because I, I maybe a little different angle with Pete because I really liked his column yesterday too what the hell is going to happen here? Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, that was the the absolute the, the the lead on my column was it's going to be a mess and it's going to be there are going to be abuses and it's going to cost money at a time when people are losing money and none of that should matter because this is the right thing to do. It's been the right thing to do. You know, the NCAA has been dragged to this point. It's not some noble stand by them. It is a matter of absolutely a, a decision made of expedience of, well, we've got no other choice. We're losing in Congress. We're losing in state legislatures. We're losing in court. We've got to do it now. But that and it was very clear from the, the teleconference yesterday that, that when it got down to the details and the issues and the potential problems, the answers were, well, we're working on it. I mean, they don't know. They don't know. You know, they don't know how they're going to keep boosters out of this or at least have them involved, but not in a rogue booster kind of way or a non, you know, in, uh, uh, inflammatory payment, as you alluded to, pay, getting paid $50,000 to, you know, 
open your eyes in the morning. They they do not have their arms around the agent part of this at all. They you know they don't have the compliance staff for it. They don't know how to, how to build a compliance staff either on campus or nationally to deal with this stuff. So there's a lot of issues, but just, you know what? Do it. Figure it out as we're going. Yeah, there's going to be a few times where some SEC school is going to land somebody on a quarter million dollar offer to, you know, quote unquote, you know, come in and have a bowl of soup at some restaurant. That's already, as you said, it's already going on. That's the way business is already getting done in a lot of places. Now we're going to take all of the mysterious Dodge Chargers that are being driven in the SEC by all the football players. And maybe this, maybe the players will be able to endorse the Dodge Charger at the local dealership and somewhat legitimize owning the car. So, you know, let's quit playing pretend here. Let's figure out a working method. We're a long way from the working method, but let's work on it. Let's figure it out. Let's take the bumps in the road along the way, but let's get going on it. I feel like when you keep mentioning SEC schools, you are profiling. <laughs> <laughs> I might be. That's hey. That's not to say that there aren't some nice cars in the Big Ten and the ACC <laughs> yeah. and yes. the Pac-12. Stop picking on Vanderbilt, Pat. <laughs> Why you're just, you're just the cop that's just pulling them over because they got that little logo. Do you shame if we found some cocaine in your car, Mississippi State? <laughs> I mean, what the SEC do to you? You're wearing a damn Georgia ja- shirt there. <laughs> I just, yeah, right. Well, I know what's in the Georgia parking lot. I know what's in the Alabama parking lot, the Auburn parking lot. Yeah, there's the a Tennessee lot of nice parking lot. I wrote one time the the the, la- the when John Calipari got his most mad at me, and he's been mad a lot of times. <laughs> is when I wrote when I listed all the cars that were in the parking lot of the Memphis basketball practice facility. He didn't like that. <laughs> See, now he'd love it because you'd be helping endorse the local dealers who are driving the cars to the players. Everybody gets a car. Everybody gets a car. (laughs) What was that? Remember, we did we play that? uh, That Jimmy King? Who was it? Uh, Or uh, no, who was it? The one of the who was the Fab Five one? Jimmy King. Jimmy King. The deal with with Patino, right? With the yeah, but Patino just said, "You like my Mercedes? You want it?" (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's maybe that's where we're headed there. All right, Pete, you talked to a number of agents, marketing guys, you know, the people that 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 handle this. And I do think part of this, obviously, there can be some boosters that go crazy. But for the most part, we should know what a football player or basketball player is worth on a local level because we can follow the NFL and NBA model. And so while you certainly in an NFL city will see maybe the quarterback or one player have a deal with a with a, a local car dealership, not every guy does. Not every guy's got an endorsement. And, you know, and and as I think you pointed out, it's going to be the rare player that that hits the the national level. Sure, maybe, maybe Trevor Lawrence could coming back as as big as he is, but for the most part, the the Zion Williamson, the Tim Tebow, the Johnny Manziel, those guys are are rare. So as best as anyone can figure out. What is somebody worth and how would this work, Pete? Well, I mean, unfortunately, Dan, you're you're in quarantine haircuts to box Trevor <laughs> Lawrence out of the head and shoulders commercials. You know, I mean, talk about it. You know, I mean, look good, you, right? Yeah, no, it looks bad. good. It looks good. Forget Trevor Lawrence's locks. Wetzel's self-cut is really going to be I'm the one become that, a that, barber. that gets. Yeah. Your name, image and likeness value soaring during quarantine, Dan. Yeah. Forget Trevor's golden, uh, golden lock. No, you know, it was interesting. Like I kind of went into yesterday being like, all right, what is this going to look like? And again, like Pat said, it is going to be chaos. It's going, you know, from the big picture quickly for the NCAA, you know, Dan, you told that great story about O'Bannon and, and Pat, you laid it out perfectly. The NCAA, it's like pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And this is a little bit of like the NCAA getting slaughtered now. And another interesting macro point calling around is that all of these schools, you know, have all these marketing relationships and sponsorship relationships. The athletes are now going to be competing with the schools. Yes, so say, yeah, which is which is a fascinating topic, like mm-hmm. say like local restaurant, local whatever, because a, a guy, uh, Blake Lawrence from Open Doors, uh, who I spoke with for the article on Yahoo uh, yesterday, brought up an interesting point. He said all those places like the local law firms, the local car dealership, they probably really don't get 
good bang for their buck by sponsoring local state U. But it's an emotional support, too. So now do they say, wait a minute, I can help us get five star Johnny from Biloxi or if we want to say from, you know, uh, Lansing. Yeah, once again, <laughs> yes. once again, profiling. We're profiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually like surprisingly got very specific numbers about how much Trevor Lawrence would would be worth. And uh, Blake Lawrence from Open Doors is very helpful. He's like, we have 10 years of data from uh, from NFL, you know, teams or from NFL stars who have similar social media followings, how much how much it would be worth. And one of the one of the myths in this, guys, is that like, you know, oh, we'll get paid a ton of money to do social media like Johnny regular old starter at, you know, fill in the blank NC State probably really isn't going to be able to make a ton of money off social media. Trevor Lawrence, however, has a half million Instagram followers, 81,000 Twitter followers. So for an Instagram post, now he couldn't do 15 in a day, right? But like for an Instagram post, Trevor Lawrence could make $16,000. Now, what I learned a lot of was putting all that together is complicated. You need a third party. You probably need like someone, some digital support to like actually put it all together for you. So they just send it to your phone and you hit a button and it gets tweeted or put up on IG or whatever, because these guys don't have a lot of time. So like the actual finding the right partnerships and everything is going to be a whole other uh, a whole other dance. We're going to we're going to end up uh, having to deal with these guys. But I thought like Trevor Lawrence could basically make a half million dollars off social media endorsements alone next season at Clemson. That would be a total of 50 posts. $1,100 $1,100 per Twitter post. He has 81,000 followers, $16,000 per Instagram post. He has a half million IG followers. Um, and that would be an estimated like 12 local businesses for 50 total posts. I thought those numbers were were, were pretty fascinating. Zion could have probably made like 2 million bucks, but he was kind of an anomaly. But a couple of people brought up an interesting point about Zion. What if he like, did a bunch of deals before Duke and it boxed him out of his post Duke deals. Like what if he had done some kind of Nike deal before, you know, he was, he had a million Twitter followers going into college. Like he was, you know, he was a sensation virally. Now he ends up on the back end with a $75 million Nike deal after his time at Duke. But what if he had just said, Hey, I'm going to get a million dollars a year from Nike. He would have heard his value. So there's, there's a lot of interesting calculus at play here. And if you get, Low-level agents who are trying to get deals done, it could really hurt the athletes in the long term. There's, there's going to be it, – it is going to be an intricate, complicated, and messy world. And, and people will lose – they will not get the best deals. Not everyone will yeah. profit. I think there's a limited number – I don't know. I hate I, – I, 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 I don't think I'm being naive here, but I think there's a limited number of just – People who are just going to, you know, hundred thousand dollars, I'll sign, I'll give to any single kid that signs with Alabama. I just, these companies do have some fiduciary responsibility. Uh, certainly in the economy this age, you know, your local wing joint by campus. This is not got a lot of extra bucks laying around. The car dealers aren't selling anything. There's all sorts, but in the long term, and I, I think it really does become um, a little bit more of just business and what what actually works. The social media thing is a huge part of it because it's it's the game changer of how things are going. And the NSA rules are basically written for 1965. You know, what is Bronny James has got what five million five million followers or something like that? You know, like some of these guys have got mass uh, Zion had 1.7 million Instagram followers before he got to Duke. People can get popular really quick. We've talked about this. Uh, you know, I have. I have kids in the the TikTok age, but TikTok is this massive social media phenomenon. This high school kid, Charlie uh, in Connecticut, Charlie D'Amelio. Dan, you can't get enough. Just admit it. This this girl got 52 million TikTok (laughs) followers in six months. (laughs) I mean, it's the most amazing business story I ever heard of. She's a high school kid. She just dances for 10 seconds on this stupid app. She has every brand in the world paying her to wear whatever sweater she wears. They sell 50 million. Like she went for, she is a high school sophomore who became a multimillionaire overnight. It's crazy. crazy. That's yeah. what can Good happen. Good thing she doesn't want to be a college athlete. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, now she can be, I guess. Yeah. Now she could be. dance now team be. or something. Maybe TikTok yeah. will be a next uh, yeah. sport. Yeah. It'll 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 trend well with the fourteen year old girls of America. This thing's absolutely nuts. And so this, but this is where you're at. And and I think the social media, it just becomes how it's too easy to become an influencer. It's not easy, but it's it's too quick. You don't need that. It's the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back. Not anymore. Right. And so. You know, this will play very well for for college uh, athletes. Now, that can be, you know, the great basketball player or or even a Trevor Lawrence or something or anyone who could do trick videos, trick. Dri- it's really more that that's going to make the appeal. Right. Or, you know, if you're the best lacrosse player in America, you know, and you get a following, you know, lacrosse sticks or you're the guy who literally you can sell to better, you know, well, than anybody yeah. else. So that's, there's, no, that's one of the points that you have made. Well, I think all of us have made all along in this is this isn't just going to benefit the quarterback at Alabama. This is going to benefit a lot of different people. The, the top athletes in Olympic or non-revenue sports will have a following. They will have people that want to be sponsors uh, for them. Uh, they will have a means to this. I, you know, I did, I did a story shoot last, whenever on, uh, when I was, when I was still working at my previous company, whatever that place you guys work, uh, <laughs> uh about Reagan Smith, the world record holder, uh, backstroker who's still in high school and she can go to college and theoretically she's going to be on the cutting edge of being able to, to make some money off of being Reagan Smith, the world record backstroker. And uh, Dan, I, I, you wrote yesterday. Hey, you know what? There's there's a lot of college towns that would like to support the star quarterback, whether it's Boise State, whether it's Memphis, whether it's, you know, some of these other places that that's a they're a big deal in that town and they have a fan base and they have a booster following too that these guys can benefit from. It's not just the five stars at the Blue Blood schools. So what do you think of my theory that this will level out the playing that it, this will disperse the talent around the country and rather than have it and I'll explain it briefly if you haven't heard me say this or read this column or, or the other ones I plagiarized myself off of. Um, <laughs> hey, it's a day's work. You know, the theory is if, you, if, you're, if you're a four-star recruit, I'm going to go non-South because I'm not, you know, anti-South like you two. <laughs> if you're a, a four-star recruit from Phoenix and you're choosing between U- USC and maybe USC is not the best example right now, but in general, good USC. And you can join in and there's five other really good quarterbacks in there and you're going to fight for time and you're not sure. And can you be good? Or you can go to Boise State and it, man, this, you're probably going to be the starter as a sophomore and you're coming in as the pri- prime recruit, big name, hype. You could be a three-year starter or two-year starter at Boise State where they care m- so much about uh, college football, you're, you're the biggest star in the entire state of Idaho. Where, man, unless you're Reggie Bush, you don't even you don't even register on the LA scale of stars and, and endorsers. You could make more money playing at Boise State than you can at USC, and because of that, Boise State's got a chance to win that recruiting battle. Will they always win it? No, but right now they lose it every time. All of a sudden, it's better to be. The big fish in whatever pond is big enough to swim in, you can only swim so far. And so you you don't need a lake. You just need a little bit of water. I think these other schools, and I think that's the same thing when you're saying, come to Oregon State, not USC. Come to Mississippi State, not Alabama. You know, come to Iowa State, not Ohio State. And, And whatever it is, it could even be, do you want to be the star quarterback at North Dakota State, where you have far, you know, or you want to be just another guy at the bottom of a of a roster uh, somewhere in Division One? I, I, I think that's where you're going to see this spread out of talent. And certainly in basketball, places like Wichita or Villanova or Gonzaga or the, the basketball schools will have a huge advantage. Because why would you go sign at what? How, like how how good of a basketball player do you have to be at Alabama to break through as the most popular guy in your town? It's almost impossible, but not if you go into Wichita State, you own the city. So, you know, Wichita State signs a McDonald's All-American. Everyone in Wichita knows it. <laughs> and, you know, you, so I just think it's spread. I think I know everyone's going with the zig on this. I'm going with the zag. I think it's going to I think it's going to be good for that. 
Am I right or am I wrong? I think you're right. And I like the pun with Zag because it'll help Gonzaga. Right, there you go. I think you're right in the basketball sense. I think you are wrong in the football sense. Like, I, yes, will, will there be a little bit of difference? I don't think it levels the playing field. There could be an occasional guy who goes and chooses maybe playing time and some of that stuff over that. But I still think the Blue Bloods are going to Blue Blood because all those kids think they're the best and they're going to want to go play. I, I do think perhaps the lore of immediate playing time becomes a little bit more of a factor. I had a couple people run that theory by me yesterday. Like if you're from Dallas, you can go start at SMU and maybe be a factor in the Dallas market as opposed to going somewhere else. I I think it'll be a factor. I don't think it will it will change the landscape. So I, I like the theory. The theory makes sense. In, in practicality, I have a hard time believing it's a paradigm changer. Okay. So you're wrong, well, Dan. Let me, let me better clarify. What I'm saying is it will, it will make a small measure to leveling the play. It will not level the playing field. Boise State's not going to have the same recruiting class as Alabama. What I'm saying, but I'm also, what everyone else is saying is Alabama will only get the players or LSU, like only 10. We already have that to begin with. But right now, they Iowa State never beats Alabama for a recruit. Boise State, now they might. Yeah. And so it, it ticks it out a little bit. I'm not, but it's certainly not skewing the other way. I think it's it's neutral or better. I think it's better towards uh, towards a little more parity. And, and I think the basketball one's no question. All right, Pat, what yeah. do you think? Am I wrong yeah. or am I right? No, no, I that that's, that's you just put it the right way. Exactly. It's not going to level the playing field, but this is not, this new rule is not going to be the Armageddon that people suggest where it's, oh, all the players are going to go to Alabama because the boosters are going to have all the money there and they're going to, you know, so they're they're already cleaning up as it is, right? I mean, most of the, the top places are already cleaning up. I think if anything, this does disperse the talent a little bit more. I'm not sure it disperses it a lot, but it disperses it a little. And I think there are some some specific examples, which you, you named in football and basketball, where there are going to be marketing opportunities available for good players if they want to go there. Uh, the interesting thing, and Pete touched on this, <clears throat> is there's still a basically a pot of cash in your average college town economy. And... If you're Baumhauer's chicken wing restaurant in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa, and they've got a place in Mobile and probably one in Birmingham too, and you are used to paying for the signage in Bryant-Denny Stadium and maybe program ads and stuff like that, are you still going to do that? Or are you then going to say, well, <clears throat> no, I'm going to direct that money to Bryce Young, the quarterback, and he's going to do a billboard with my restaurant. And I'm not going to give the money to Alabama. You know, there's going to be some push and pull there. And as Pete says, some com some competition within themselves for who gets that money. There's not an unlimited supply. And right now there's probably going to be less money than ever. So how does that get divvied up? And how does the school react when they're, you know, they're, they're certainly happy to tell the players, I would imagine, when they're coming in the door, like, yeah, you know, you, we're, you're going to have a lot of marketing opportunities here. You really are. We can't really tell you exactly what they are. <laughs> But we've got some people that could be in position to help you out. But then when they go to those people, they can say, oh, wait a minute. We already need their money. You can't have their money. So I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic. I, I think that uh, I agree. I agree with you, Pat, totally. And I think like the three most common things that the college athletes will be able to make like real money off of because um, like there aren't going to be these unicorn Gatorade deals, right? Like for, for most guys. So I think it's like, I'm going to use Syracuse because I went to school there and I can I can make all the I can check off all the easy boxes. So Syracuse plays Georgetown in basketball noon on a Saturday or they play Florida State in football at noon on a Saturday. Come to the varsity after you can have dinner and get an autograph dinner with and have an autograph from, you know, or fill in the blank. It could be from Elijah Hughes, the basketball star. It could be from uh, Tommy DeVito, the quarterback. It could be, you know, some combination of former stars and current players. But I think that's very real. The other thing is for the big college stars, memorabilia and autographs are real. I mean, Johnny Manziel and Todd Gurley, all these guys were doing it under the table for years anyway. That's going to go above board. I think that's going to be that's going to be very prevalent. So memorabilia, autographs and appearances are like very tangible things at local restaurants, local car dealerships. You know, th those are going to be you know, very much, but it also comes down to too, like time, like do these guys, you know, these guys all have so many time constraints, like it, it, there's going to be some interesting balancing to, 
to that. But I but I do feel like, you know, there are local opportunities. But I agree 100 percent. There are going to be colliding agendas now. Yeah. And right now, this is really why the schools fought this is one, one of the big reasons, because now they control all the money. If you want to have your brand associated with, you know, the University of Michigan football program, you have to become the, you know, you have to buy an ad or become the official chicken wing joint of, of the Michigan football team, or you have to cut a deal with Jim Harbaugh on the side or something like that. And, and it's why you see like, you know, Nick Saban's in the Aflac commercial wearing just a regular sweater, right? not wearing his crimson because they didn't buy the logo to have. And they may not because I think maybe Nationwide's like the official sponsor of SEC football or something. I don't know how it works, but all of those deals become a big thing. And you see that in, in NFL videos and all of that. But right now, so if you're looking for a job or you're trying to decide on a job, probably the number one factor of the job is salary. And so if you think you can make more money at company A rather than company B, it no longer matters how sweet the offices are at company B or whether there's a new $100 million locker room or whether we've done, you know, all the plush bells and baubles and whistles that college sports has taken all that money and made to create the appearance of how important and how great it would be to come play here. Look how plush all of this stuff is. Doesn't matter as much if you can make another dollar somewhere else. Because and and so I think all of that money that's kind of going to dumb stuff. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Ah, uh, the miniature golf course, the barbershop, the waterfall—they yeah. have to have those, Dan. They have to. Student yeah, athlete I mean, welfare. You know, I, I'm a lot happier if that money's going direct to a player than yeah. We have the mini golf course. I mean, okay, but that's what they've done because they can't. So yeah, now right. that money, there is going to be less money in college sports because it's not you can't build. But where are we at? It's not like, well, we're not going to be able to afford a team doctor. It's we're not right. going to put the next time we build a football facility. It's just going to be about football. What a concept. I have a good topic on this. Uh, I just was reading. Uh, I just saw on Twitter and, and called up uh, Pat's colleague, Ross Dellinger, uh, who did a who did a follow story today with some reaction from uh, from this. And he quotes Todd Barry, who's like the former coach at Army um, and is the AFCA president, saying There'll be more cheating now than there is already, which I think is the single dumbest thing I've heard about this. Like, I can't fathom how that would actually leave someone's mouth in a leadership position, that they would think actually paying players is going to lead to more cheating. Like, that is just, like, so indicative of the hypocrisy and the warped mindset that these coaches have had for years. They're paying above the table. How is it cheating? Like, oh, stop. Like, stop with your sanctimony. Go take all your coaches... Go. Just go away, Todd Barry. Just think before you speak. People will still wager sports with their bookie, but yeah. less people will. I mean, <laughs> yes, they'll still be cheating. There's cheating in everything. There's literally cheating in every single thing on in, in this country. You can't find one, one pure business. Uh, religion? No, look at the churches do that. The Boy Scouts? Well, now we had that guy. I mean, like, there's nothing, you know? <laughs> There's nothing. So they're going to no. cheat. The, the, look, the answer has been the same all along to all of these proposed evolutions in college sports rules. It's, it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be terrible. We're going to lose everything. That's what they say every single time there's a rule change. And guess what? It doesn't tend to be the case. But the nightmare doomsday scenario group is right out there. And we've seen it now with the, with the transfer stuff, you know, or Tom Izzo's getting people all riled up and all these coaches, Oh my God, it's just going to be free agency. It's going to be awful. You know, it's not going to be, it's going to be some problems. Yes, but it's all going to be okay. We're still going to have college sports. Yeah. Todd Barry is like the perfect straw man to get on a zoom call, listen to all the college coaches complaints and then trot them out in official capacity. Like yeah, if all right. these coaches got on this, on a zoom call and told Todd Barry, he needed to say the sky was red. He would go out there and be like, the sky is red. The sky is red. I mean, these quotes are hilarious. He uses blurring the lines between student and professional athlete. 
Oh, those lines weren't blurred already, Todd. Or, or <laughs> right. how, how about this one? As when we moved collect- West Virginia to the Big Twelve, that wasn't that was just that was an educational <laughs> thing. That wasn't about that wasn't about making money. As a group collectively, we have concerns that there are no regulations on this that can be enforced. If it's not enforceable, then there are no rules. If you're driving down the highway and the speed limit is 55, and you know there is no one to enforce it, then you're going to speed. Oh, my God. Like, someone just should have put Todd Berry in the Southern District of New York for a couple of days in that court case to see what actually <laughs> has been going on in college athletics. Like, And those guys make, like, 400 grand a year. Like, Todd Berry makes, like, half a million dollars a year, just like Jim Haney made a million dollars. They will just, like, literally, like, those guys are parakeets. Like, whatever people are telling them, they're just like, quack, 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 quack. I will repeat whatever lines you want me to trot out. Being a col- college sports is a blast, right? We love it. Yeah. Part of the fun is the scandals, I find. <laughs> yeah. But what college sports, what those purists want you to do is play pretend. I've, I've written this That's so many it. times. Stop making me play pretend. I know what is going on here. Yeah. Okay? Right. Yeah. Adidas Stop. was paying a hundred freaking grand for <laughs> Brian Bowen, and he had a equally good offer at Creighton. <laughs> but he's Oklahoma. the only player who's ever been bought, Dan. I don't know. You, you, think, yeah. uh, you think they might have wanted to buy the better players, too? I, the shock! Yeah. The horror! <laughs> Oklahoma no! State offered his dad a hundred and fifty grand, a car, and a house. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, are you going to tell me the Tooth Fairy doesn't exist and the Easter, Easter Bunny doesn't exist? Don't it's tell Todd Barry. He uh, loves like the it. Easter Bunny. <clears throat> the LSU fans still want to tell us the strong ass offer was a scholarship. <laughs> yeah, the Arizona yeah. fans want to tell us that there's really nothing showing, proving that Sean Miller yeah. was doing anything wrong. Yeah. After after uh, the notice of allegations comes to LSU and, and Will Wade gets fired, he's going to be sitting around the bar being like, they just pa- at the final four next year. They, if they just pass this two years earlier. I never would have got caught. And I'd be this as the coach of the year. Like you could already hear it. He milked we another five mil time. on him. He, is, he was. So where, where's Tark? Let's get Tark back out here. He would have killed it in the new era. Tark Vegas teams would have never been beat. Um, no, nah, I mean, I, I just, it drives me nuts listening to them discuss this stuff like uh, we don't know. I mean, it's literally like sitting there. If if the governor of New Jersey or, or, or we just sports wagering in Michigan now and said, okay, we're going to have this thing called sports wagering. And so what you can do to the public, you're allowed to bet on the Detroit Lions to win or lose. And there's this thing called a point spread. Like, you know, it's like, all right, we're fine letting you guys do this legally. There's no way there could be more cheating. Will there be some rule violations? Of course. But, you know, it, this is going to be bumpy and this is going to be wild. All right, a little more uh, on um, we didn't start with Will Football return in the fall, our normal segment. But it was a little bit of an interesting discussion by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, who tells 1010XL in Jacksonville, this is per uh, Matt Hayes' Twitter feed, Matt Hayes at CFB, a friend of all of ours. Greg Sankey says, the hope is we all move together. This is uh, on conference alignment and returning in the fall. So the hope is we all move together. But, and oh, this is where it gets interesting. There is room for different conferences to make different decisions. If a couple programs aren't able, does that stop everyone? I'm not sure it does. As I read that, the SEC saying, if we have to go it alone, we go it alone. We're not going to worry about what they're doing in, uh, in California, or we're not going to worry about what they're doing somewhere else. The possibility would be that the SEC could just go ahead and go without California or without the Big Ten or whatever. Maybe you're only just playing your eight conference games. Maybe you're, you're adding games. I don't know if you can extend out and just say we're going to play all SEC games all year. There might not be a national title. or I don't know how this would go. I would think the Big 12 and the SEC are the most likely to play. What do you think? Is this like the early shot across the bow? Can we overread this and and declare a civil war? In, in college? <laughs> fight, fight, fight! Right well, behind the school. Can we overreact to this, please? Let's do something irresponsible. <laughs> of course, I'm happy to always. Uh, no, I. I mean, yeah, I think it's a shot across the bow, and I don't think it's a hundred percent out of out of thin air. I wrote my column that was up. Thursday on SI.com that one of the possibilities, it's a radical possibility, is a bifurcated season in which some conferences 
Just say, hey, we are ready to go in the fall like normal, and we want to play then, and our fans want us to play then, and the TV networks want us to play then, and we're going to, and we're not going to worry about the Pac-12, which doesn't want to. And so, we, yeah, we're just going to do our thing, and maybe there's a, maybe there's a fall season, and it is spring season, and you get two different seasons, basically. You could have conferences go their own way. You could even have individual schools go their own way. And this is where the dynamics of, you know, realignment and expansion have pulled in geographically dissimilar schools. And maybe they don't see eye to eye on this. You know, Clemson is going to want to play. Is Boston College going to want to play, you know, starting first thing in the fall? I don't know. Uh, Is West Virginia going to want to play when the rest of the Big 12 does? I don't know. Uh, This is going to be really (laughs) interesting. West Virginia's playing. (laughs) 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 Moonshine is actually the cure for the coronavirus. You didn't know that? Yeah, they're practicing right now. More effective than bleach. (laughs) They're practicing right now. (laughs) If you take this to the extreme, guys. You want people have talked all they blue sky all the time about blowing up the entire map and starting over. You want you want to give them a chance to do that. You crack open some of these alliances within conferences and between conferences and see what happens. The coronavirus could be could you want overreaction? Here's overreaction. The means by which we blow up the entire college landscape and redo it. That's the reckless speculation we tune into this podcast for. We take one go. tweet, one tweet from some radio show, and we've now destroyed college athletics. I love so, it. I'm not quite as fatalist as Pat, but there is a billion-dollar question that this leads to. So say the Pac-12 doesn't play because of Seattle, Bay Area, L.A., Gavin Newsom, et cetera, and the SEC does. Who gets the playoff money? Yeah. Right? Hey, play you got to show like, up for the playoff? It's supposed to be everybody. Can have two different playoffs. You got to show up for work. Dollars on the line. You got to show up for work. Although not not these days. Everyone gets a stimulus payout, so it doesn't even matter. (laughs) Get a raise. You have a fall playoff and you have a spring playoff. I don't know. I like it. What do you pay for? Like, but there's a financial component to this too. There is no doubt about it. And I think you're right. I mean, there's a contractual. How do we work this out thing? But look, we'd already been discussing. Oh, we're going to have a 12-team playoff this year because we can. Well, if you can do that, then you can have two different playoffs. You know, you can do whatever the heck you want. <laughs> Pat is just – he's just added an extra playoff and blew up all of the college sports. <laughs> you know. All off of one tweet from a Jacksonville It's not all off show. of one tweet. I did have this when I wrote the column. Somebody mentioned at least the possibility of a some people playing a fall sport, some playing a spring sport. I like Somebody it. In the I like it. We don't even know if Sankey meant it or if he was day drinking or whatever. Who knows? <laughs> But anyway, now here's another quick little item that's pretty interesting. The NFL, according to the New York Post, is eyeing this. And if college football does not return in the fall, and they do, they're going to set up a triple header every Saturday. Really? Like they do in late December. Yeah. They're just going to. That makes all the sense in the world. They're going to say, well, we're not just letting that day sit there now. Sure. So, sure. not the same. I think we have a much better chance of the NFL returning than college football. I'm still cautiously optimistic that college football will go. But if not, this is certainly interesting because I could see, I mean, it might only be, let's say, what? Uh, how many teams the SEC now? Like 43? Now 14? <laughs> yeah, what if there's 10 of them? I don't know. Yeah. What if there's 12? I, it's Again, what if Clemson says, well, we're yeah. in, Florida State's going to jump in? Right. And you that's know, if BC doesn't want him, they'll say, fine, go back to the Big East or go back to the AAC or <laughs> whatever. And if, there is no Big East. <laughs> yeah, well, but and if, if go, Texas go and Oklahoma, <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma want to play and then the upper Midwest, they're worried about a coronavirus flare up in the winter. They'll say, fine, Iowa State, you don't want to play, get out. Kansas State, see ya. Like I said, this could be a lever uh, for people. I all think of they could say, set this up and then there's like Kansas State waving, like texting, like, hey, you know, <laughs> Right. We want to play. If Texas you won, we're playing. I'm over here. Oh, tough us out. We're ready to play. We'll play. We'll join your league. Yeah, who, 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 we'll play 12 who road games. Yeah, I don't know. This could get ugly. All right, Pat, I know you have another rant I thought you wanted to get on. Me? Yes. Really? Concerning college basketball. Uh, and I'm just yeah, going to give yeah. you the floor because I don't even know what to <clears> set up. I don't even really understand this. I just I know you have things to say 
And when Pat Forty requests time on the pod for things to say, it's usually highly entertaining. So get at it. Okay. This starts with the I I I'm, I may mispronounce the name, but Dyson Nix, the five-star point guard who was going to go to UCLA, <clears throat> but joined Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd in going to the NBA G League. That happened this week. Those are the ones we know so far that are going to the G League. There may be more. We also know that James Wiseman quit school in the middle of the season to work on his pro career. We know that Khalil Whitney left Kentucky in the middle of the year, not to transfer, but to work on his pro career. Why? Because these guys don't want to play college basketball and they don't want to be in college. And this is a trend that we're going to, I believe, see continuing in the future and probably escalating. More players looking to go pro immediately. Now, the NBA, obviously, if they pass the, uh, if they change the age rule, can, can make that even easier. But amidst all of this, we have had the Pollyannas who cover college basketball, and some of these people are my friends, but I've got, we've covered this game for a long time. The three of us all have. And this rush to say, everybody's saying this is going to be the end of college basketball. No, it's not. Our sport is great. <laughs> First of all, who said it was going to be the end of college basketball? Here's what it is going to be. It is a diminished product that is going to continue to be diminished by the more guys that never show up. And even more so by the 40 or even 50 guys who put their names in the draft, who are going to stay in the draft, who could come back to school, but won't come back to school because they don't want to be there. They want to get out. But this this notion that is being proffered by people who the only thing they do is cover college basketball, so they have a vested interest, is everybody's saying this is the end of our sport. Well, it is not. It's not. We're going to be great. We're college basketball. Get your head out of the sand and face the reality. It's not the same. It's not what it was. It's not going to be what it was. Let's have a reality check for those folks, too. You talked about playing pretend. Stop playing pretend. Can we play a game? What's sure. the game? Oh, we're going to play a game. <laughs> the game is going to be called, Can You Name the Player? All okay. Right? Here's the game. Dan, Wetzel, Patford, you guys have covered oh, college basketball combined for over 50 years. You have a pretty good pulse on the sport. Countless Final Fours. Can you name a player, any player, and I'm going to say this to Dan because Pat has a vested I, I, interest. I, I'd fail on this at anything. <laughs> <laughs> So, again, uh, giving props to uh, Pat's colleagues at Sports Illustrated, uh, Jeremy Wu, your, your fine NBA draft analyst, put out a list of the top 10 players returning in college basketball next year. Mm. Uh, so let's see if we can name what school they go to. Okay. All right. Keontae Johnson. Oh, that's uh, Florida. Correct. Yeah. All right. Kai Jones. Kai Jones? K-A-I Jones. Jones. I got nothing. Dan? Nothing. Oh, All right. Nothing. He's at Texas. Oh, good for him. Terrence, Terrence Shannon. Oh, I've heard of him. Hmm. I can't remember why I've heard of him, but I've heard of him. Sounds <laughs> like an Auburn player. Yeah. <laughs> Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech. There you go. <laughs> Romeo Weems. Mm. Not Romeo Langford. Not Romeo Langford. He's on the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing. Dan? No. Your DePaul Blue Demons. Oh, my goodness. All right. The best. I Wait, think DePaul? Best. DePaul yeah. is one of the best players? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that tells yes. me Man, how many college players. basketball is going to suck if DePaul <laughs> That's a sure sign that the sport is in trouble. DePaul's got good players. <laughs> the, the two best players are James Boatnight. Do you guys that's know where he is? Villanova. Goes? No, UConn. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what I meant. You come. The other, the other this big This is why school. Pat doesn't work for Yahoo anymore. He doesn't even know a single freaking guy. Uh, uh, and uh, you guys will get this one. Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, that's Indiana. Yeah. Uh, son of uh, son of Dale. So, yeah. anyway, like, I like college basketball. I love the tournament. I love the Final Four. But anyone who doesn't think there's a, like, relevance issue in that sport is crazy. There are the same people who are like, breathlessly telling you some dude from Hampton is transferring to VCU because that's what the sport has become. It's become unrecognizable on three levels. There's no stars and you're getting less of them now because of the G League thing. 
the the transfer rule, you know, the transfer thing, you don't know who's on your team, you don't know who's on the other team. And then really the biggest issue, which we've all written about this year and, and Pat just hit on, is the 40, 50 guys who just are like, I want to get the hell out of college basketball at all cost, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the G yeah. League and yeah, not be go, not be a star. Like it's right, be undrafted. Uh, yeah. Yes. Maybe Anyone, get in the G League. Yeah, college basketball is a perpetual 21-19 halftime score right now. I'd love to see it get out of the rut. I'd love to see it change and more three, four-year guys are coming and more resonance and everyone's comparing it to, well, we survived no Kobe and LeBron. Yeah, but go look at the first team All-Americans from 2003 and they are all dudes you've heard of, you know, and you're relying. There are great stories. Obi Toppin's a great story. Uh, Obviously, like, you know, Murray State, arises on the scene and, and becomes a becomes a great story. But for the most part, like there is a there is a big time uh, Q rating problem. Though. Yeah. No, that's the thing is, yeah, look, S A yes, there's still going to be a sport. So stop the straw man bull crap there. But B, yes, people are still going to watch the tournament because they're going to fill out a bracket to bet on the tournament and be part of office pools and what have you. But the ratings for the regular season are not good, and they're going to get, keep getting worse. That's the thing. It is more and more a three-week sport. And so if people want to say, yeah, college basketball is fine because we have three weeks out of 52, good for you. You might want a little bit more than that. You know, we've talked about the need to try to keep the, the kids, uh, give better draft flexibility. Guys come back if they yep, aren't drafted. Right. Guys come yep. back if they're in the second round or even if the first. That's the pile of talent that's laying there, and the NCAA needs to figure it out. All I hear from them is, well, uh, the NBA, they, I don't think they'll go for it. And, and it's like start fighting for your life, you know, and the, the coaches don't want it. Why Why do college basketball coaches feel that it is their, their contractual or birthright to have their roster set by June 1st, <laughs> the season doesn't start until October. Okay. Uh, how will we, how will we handle this? I mean, juggling this roster into the summer. So effing what? Okay. Deal with it. Like it, first of the, you know, after the NBA draft is you'd be done by July one. Can you handle that? Is it too hard in your, your millions of dollars you guys are getting paid? I also think college basketball's problem next year, and this will be this. I, I, look, at I, as someone who was so ingrained in college basketball once, I've been writing a column about Evansville when they went away from having sleeves on their jerseys. Okay, like <laughs> everything was, was it was yeah. I, every it was a big story. Uh, everything was a story for me for a long time. I don't I don't follow it nearly as closely, obviously anymore. But your top ten recruits next year. Now some of them are just going pro, obviously. The other ones, though, we have a kid going to, uh, and, and there's various reasons, right? Oklahoma State, Cade Cunningham is like has uh, got a relative up there. USC's getting Mobley, Stanford, Texas, Florida State, Gonzaga, Arizona State are all getting players. Kentucky's getting the most of them. Duke, but the big brand names that help TV ratings aren't getting the big stars, and that will hurt them on TV ratings because when you tune in and you see Duke, you want to see. They must have the best player, or Kentucky's got the best players, or Kansas. Instead, the best you're going to be you're going to have the announcers trying to sell you on. You got to watch an Arizona State game Thursday night at ten thirty because they actually got the most talent, and and that will that now I don't think that's bad for the sport. Uh, right. That's great. Go wherever you want. This is the fun part. It'd be an exciting season for Arizona State. That's great, but that will be a a ratings quote unquote problem for college basketball next year. So I did a rating stat the other day. If the Belk bowl was a regular season, college basketball game, it would have been the second most watched college basketball game of last season. Is that right? Good stat right there. And those stats always blow away college basketball coaches <clears throat> who live in their yeah. own myopic world. And, uh, yes, but no, it's, uh, that's, that's real. And that's, uh, the, the ratings were not good. Like, you know, major networks, I, I've heard estimates fifth down 15, 20% this year. And I don't see anything resuscitate them. I mean, people, you know, I've been very critical of college basketball and people have like, you know, jumped on, jumped on me for it. I just think it's reality. Like I can't watch 21, 19 at the half and put lipstick on a pig. I just can't yeah. do it. Like I want I mean, the sport to be great. I want it to be relevant. It helps me. It helps our business. It's just, you know, if, if regular season college basketball popped, it would be awesome to go to big games in February and, you know, January after football ends. And, you know, I'd love absolutely. to see it. 
No, just, I don't think, yeah, just, none of us are against any of that happening. It would be yes. good for our business and good for what we are naturally interested in. Like, yeah. I wanted to see James, I wanted to cover James Wiseman. I saw him yeah. in high school. I thought he was really good. He's a seven-footer. He's part of this transformational class with a fascinating coach, unproven star mm -hmm. name coach. I wanted Memphis to be good. I wanted to go do a yeah. big Memphis story. And then James Wiseman's like, eh, I'm, I'm suspended, then I'm out of here. And everything just fizzles, and there's just going to be more of those guys that are like, why bother with trying to A, be eligible, or B, go to college? What do you guys think of this notion? Does the name, image, and likeness legislation make kids more likely to go to college? I asked a few people in the basketball industry that yesterday, and they were like, you know, they probably, if the G League is starting you at a half million, even if you go to college, now again, Zion's the anomaly. Throw him out. He's a once-a-decade guy. If you are a just a big star in college basketball, a really good top 10 type player, it's going to be hard for you to beat that number the G League can give because that's a half million in salary and you can get endorsements on top of that. So Jalen Green's getting a half million and a sneaker deal. Now, I don't know if Isaiah Todd and the UCLA kid, who's from Alaska, by the way, are, are going to get the same half million dollar salary. It, but the, the ability to have salary plus endorsements is usually going to be greater than endorse, you know, whatever endorsements you can get. Now, some of these schools are going to rig it up where you can make a lot of money, and I and I get that, but I don't I don't see this pulling people out. Like college basketball just isn't cool right now. If like Mikey Williams has no interest in playing college basketball, Bronny's not going to play college basketball. Amani Bates has gone on visits to Michigan State and stuff like that, but he's not going to play college basketball. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see what college basketball does to counter. Now, Mark Emmert has kind of said, and they've said with their actions, we don't want these kids one and dunning us. That's fine, but. I, I don't see how in this era that helps the product. You will still get way more. Yeah. You can still market yourself through college basketball, though, and, and some of these kids oh, no will question. make more in the long-term plan. All right. Um, two things before uh, we, we wrap this up, because it's been a serious uh, podcast. <laughs> yes, but, please please derail that. All right. I just want to do one quick WTF moment that happened in the last week. And I, 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 maybe it's the coronavirus. Maybe it's because Donald Trump wasn't involved, so no one could scream <laughs> it was a good idea or a bad idea. I don't know. The Pentagon released three no. videos this week <laughs> of unidentified aerial <laughs> phenomena. <laughs> Do you see these videos? The Pentagon released UFOs <laughs> flying around. <laughs> and nobody even cared. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what the? I, I'm, I'm stunned. I felt really bad that I kind of missed the whole thing. And then this morning I looked at some of the videos like, oh, wow, that is freaky. These aircraft, this is a, a former head of the classified program, Luis Elizondo, told CNN, these aircraft, we call them aircraft, are displaying characteristics that are not currently within the U.S. inventory, nor in any foreign inventory that we are aware of. There you go. Uh, this is the biggest the story. Martians, that got no baby. Attention. I know it just flew under the. I, why? I don't understand how. Like I felt bad that I missed it. I really did. I totally. I want to know. <clears throat> UFOs, man. Where did they land? I, the whole I, Area Fifty One is real, isn't it? The area. It's 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 real. Roswell. My gosh. There's the proof. They put it all out there. They did that. Talk about a, a burying the news. You know, they, they slip it out there in the middle of a pandemic. Harry Reid, the former senator of Nevada, yeah. said he was glad the Pentagon released the videos, but said it only scratches the surface of research and materials available. Like there could be other things. I don't Anyway, I don't know how this thing gets big attention. I want to find out. I want UFOs needed. just ain't what they used to be. <laughs> seems like a serious thing. What college football <laughs> coach do we think is most interested in UFOs? Leach. Yeah. That's that's so in his wheelhouse. Yeah. You know? Leach is probably Leach is probably to trying to sign some alien as a slot receiver. You know? <laughs> Aliens, I suspect there is. And I don't know that they're um <clears throat> They're little green men, and I don't know that they're specifically um, in our galaxy. Why wouldn't God build other Earths and other places? Why only this one, you know? I, I, yeah, Leach is definitely, he's thinking about it. He's down in Key West. He's got a good view of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Clear sky at night. Sailor's yep. delight. All right. Uh, another one. Uh, due to restaurant closings, there is a, a surplus of 200 million pounds of French fries in Canada. 200 million <laughs> French fries, pounds of French fries. 
are is, now, I'm terrified that <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised with the fact that in literally six weeks, <laughs> then Americans and Canadians would have eaten 600, 200 million pounds of French fries, but didn't. <laughs> that is a staggering, like, I'm trying to picture that number. I mean, like, how many fries, actual French fries is that? I don't know. And Belgium's got something like $135 million worth of potatoes yeah. lying around, too. Wow. That's a call to arms right there. And, that gets, of course, there they eat them with mayonnaise. And that's, look, I, again, I, I will defend mayonnaise against you Philistines on here, but not with French fries. <laughs> not with French fries. French fries and mayonnaise, not good. Um, no. Do you so think the that'll help the Belgian leader's popularity? Like making mandatory French fry, I think that would like be good. Like it would help. Too. Uh, yeah, I think that that would help. Is you know, it, it would help as people are waiting out the pandemic in Belgium. I think that's going to uh, it's going to spread some joy. I wish we our are, elected leaders would tell us to, to order us to drink beer. <laughs> uh, yes, they want to launch a campaign asking Belgians to do something for the sector by eating fries twice a week. Yes, uh. I mean, do your patriotic duty. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Would, would you, would for America, would you eat fries with a mayo? Do you love your country, Pat? <laughs> for America, for Argentina, for Liechtenstein, I would eat fries. But I don't, I don't know about the, the mayo. I, ugh, ugh. That's a tough sell. That's a tough ask. Do this I is have the problem. to? Can't I just this salt the problem with America? No one's willing to make a damn sacrifice. <laughs> That's right. That's why people are going to the beaches. It's, yeah, no, yeah. You're right. Yeah, we don't handle adversity well. It's a lot of people like, oh, this, we got to keep this quarantine going through the summer. I'm like, you ain't got a chance, man. No. This is America. People, are, <laughs> I can't yeah. believe it lasted this long. I, I I'm am not saying it should too. or shouldn't. I'm just right. telling you, people ain't doing it. I am surprised. I'm seeing more and more people cracking, more and more yeah. people going out just like, forget it. I got to do something. All right. Finally, uh, it is should be Kentucky Derby week. So uh, um, uh. we appreciate you two being sober at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Rare, rare during Derby week. Uh, just quickly, what is the one thing uh, other than alcohol that you're going to miss the most? Give me the one thing. Pat, you live in Louisville. Pete, you go to the Derby every year down in Louisville or most years, I think. Yep. What is it during the week? What What's your what's your yeah. Derby memory that you're just hurting for today? Yeah, for me personally, this is 100% personal, is Oaks Day, the day before Derby Day, when they, it's the big three-year-old Philly race. It's the biggest Philly race of the year. And it's 110 to 120,000 people at Churchill, and I don't work on Oaks Day. That is my <laughs> personal religious holiday. Uh, and so what I do, I get there at 10, 1030. I get the uh, program, I get the form, I meet up with my buddies, and Pete is often one of them in the paddock. We buy the $10 or $11 beers, and we make ridiculously bad bets. Our buddy Chris Wojcik comes up with a terrible, expensive pick six. That always and, loses in the first race. Yeah, right. Yeah. We all throw in, you know, we, we throw in like a thousand bucks between us, and then we're out of it immediately. Um, buy a nose. Yeah. Because of a bad yeah. ride by a jockey. <laughs> yeah, right. We're ripping. We're ripping Luis Saez for his yes. ride on this in the second. You know, uh, I just I missed that day. I mean, you know, the whole week it's just it's brutal because the whole week Louisville just doesn't work, man. I mean, nobody's trying. Nobody's doing anything other than playing hooky. Usually the weather is good enough on except for on Derby Day, and you know you just miss that whole vibe of like we're just we're just gonna have fun all week, and it's without that. It's uh, it's a tough week. I uh, I'm getting like nostalgic. Like you know you're nostalgic when you miss losing money, right? Like you know like you're overcome with emotion irrationally when you miss that. No, uh, in in the years that I've gone, um, one of my favorite days is it's now got a little bit more mainstream. But we used to show up on Thursday, right? Because you know you got to you got to sure. get there early. And, uh, you know, you just go over to the track and it's like the beers are still like not as expensive. So like six bucks. And I, you can relate to this, Dan, kind of being from the Northeast. Like it's nice. It's like 75 and sunny. So you got shorts on, flip flops, Red Sox hat on backwards, much like I do now. And you're just drinking some Bud Lights and sitting out there. There's not a lot of people around and you're just kind of making bets and catching up with your buddies and laughing and, you know, making plans like the anticipation is like the fun part. Oh, where are we going to dinner tonight? What part are we going to? Like all, all that kind of stuff. I don't have a lot of the actual like logistical horse betting. Like we leave that to Dave Friedman, faithful, faithful podcast listener and, uh, and Chris Wojcik. My job is to more like 
move the herd, get people together, that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know. I just miss sort of like, oh, when's this guy getting in? Where's this guy staying? Where's everybody going? All, all that stuff. So no, I I miss uh, I miss Derby Week. I got a little sad. My digital calendar popped up my Marriott reservation uh, yeah. yesterday. And I was like, oh, I should be at the Fairfield Inn on Hurstbourne Road. And I am not. I am instead in South Boston planning a Zoom call for the Arkansas Derby with the same knuckleheads who I would normally be losing money with. So, yeah, uh, that was a good topic, Dan. I appreciate uh, it. Cathartic to to let it out. We'll hopefully be tipping them at. I don't think if there's a September Derby, I'd be going just because it would be during hopefully during football season. But yeah, next uh, next May, I will look forward to it even more. I, I have uh, never been to the Derby. I've been to many oh. horse tracks, mm-hmm. races, and uh, it's a huge hole in your resume. Oh, we got to really get you is. down there, Dan. We got to get you down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe one year you guys aren't going. I'll, <laughs> I'll think about it. Um, you would really but hate I, just the gambling, drinking. Yeah, yeah. Girls. He's got none of the things you yeah, would like. You Let's see. Like no. I said I've been to races. I've been to Saratoga probably Saratoga's eight, great. nine times. I've been yeah. to uh, Del Mar. I've been to all, all sorts of different places. But uh, I like horse racing but um, and drinking and gambling. <laughs> but uh, see? just haven't made it to the Derby. Derby, it's, you know, it's a big effort. It's a big effort. I feel like it's kind of amateur is. hour. You know? Uh, you know sometimes the, you have to make the effort, man. Yeah, sometimes well, we'll it's see. worth making the effort for a real slice of Americana. You can get Saratoga. That is that's pinky in the air. Del Mar. Come on, man. <laughs> get I, real. I've been to Del Mar or San Anita. Those are those are on my sports bucket list. High up, actually. Del Mar is um, nice, man. They're, Saratoga they're, they're, is they're a, great. Not pinky in the air. My goodness. Sure it is. Saratoga. Oh, the spa. Come on. <laughs> that's what they call it. The spa. They have a polo. They have a polo match the night before. <laughs> see? Yeah. Don't step yeah. on the steaming divots. Yeah. The people the I know who go to Saratoga, they don't have their pinkies in the air. <laughs> no, it's a bunch of drunks till 4 a.m. And yeah, I don't even remember half of the trips. Anyway, let's move on. And uh, I guess we're at this. We've, we've gone at least an hour. So more topics to get pushed over to next week. Unbelievable. In the absence of sports, we still keep finding things to talk about. No problem. Yeah, we didn't even make fun of that many coaches this time. All right, we're back, though. So uh, subscribe, spread on uh, social media. Some of you guys are doing a good job. Other of you guys are slackers. Uh, <laughs> yes. But our audience Oops. is up, according to Sully. He's got the numbers. So uh, uh, clearly we've got many of the, uh, of the uh, newly or chronically unemployed listening all day long, which we appreciate you. We appreciate you. I was so, on the uh, NFL podcast this week, and they like bully their listeners at the end for five-star reviews. I feel like we've just abandoned that. <laughs> Pushes you up in the ratings, according to Sally. Yeah, okay. whatever. We're you know we're we're willing to just Organic. ride with the with the. That's right. With what the people really think, we don't need to bully nobody. Now, nah, five star all the way, man. All right, talk to you guys later. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.